Welcome to The Landing, the podcast that goes into the brush with foresters, contract loggers, and operators of the Pacific Northwest timber industry. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Landing. I'm your host, Jason Davenport, and today I have on a owner-operator log truck driver from Sweet Home, Oregon, Leon Vineyard. How are you doing today, Leon? Good, how are you? Good, now that I pressed the record button. Uh-huh. Second time's a charm, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, kind of like I asked you before, um, I just kind of want to dive into your story and how you came into log trucking and trucking in general, and uh, what are some of your, I guess, difficulties that you have you know, owning a log truck and running it every day? Well, I would uh, I definitely say that my story's a little bit different than a lot of guys. There's uh, so many stories you hear out there about guys that are doing it because, you know, their dads did it and their grandpas did it and their great-grandpas did it. And, you know, so it's just they were born and bred into it. And it's not really not really where I came from. Um, I uh, My dad worked on the rig in basically his whole life or the majority of his career. And, oh, about 13, 14 years ago when I got into logging, I worked out in the brush and I found out really quick that this was not going to be something that I had the desire to do. So, uh, I ended up getting a job for the city of Brownsville, which is, oh, just about 15 minutes from sweet home and worked there a couple of years and didn't really know where my future was going to go. I was just kind of going to work every day and, I had a real good friend uh, that had bought his own truck and he started hauling logs. And I just got off work one day and he had called me and he said, Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm fixing to head home. He's like, well, I'm just bouncing off I five. I'm going to roll through Brownsville here in a little bit. You want to drive the log truck home? And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. Right. And, uh, so I met him there just outside of town and I got in the truck and I'd never even, I just had a class B CDL at that point. The only thing we had at the city was just a little five yard truck with air brakes. I mean, it wasn't, you know, anything like, you know, a log truck. Right. And so, um, I hopped in it and I was like, Whoa, look at all these gauges. Look at all the stuff in here. I'd never really sat in a truck before. And he's like, he showed me, you know, all my gears and then my splitters and he ran through everything in about four seconds. And I was like, I do what now you want to, <laughs> you want to run that by me one more time. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff <laughs> he, in there. He just started laughing and he's like, yeah, just I'll follow you. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I still to this day, I would hate, I would, I could not imagine what it was like to, to have sat in that truck when I was trying <laughs> to get that thing home. I mean, good grief. What a disaster, but <laughs> I made it, but, uh, it wasn't just a couple miles down the road. And I was like, this is it. I, I want to do this. I, I could do this. And so I just instantly got hooked. So then it just kind of turned into, you know, anytime I had any time off for like veterans day or, you know, Columbus day or kind of those off holidays that you get with the city that 
you know, loggers are still working. I was in the truck with Kenny and just as much as I could. And I just wanted to learn. And I was like, this, this is what I want to do. And so after a couple of years, I, uh, got a job driving dump truck and was hauling rock in the woods, building roads. And that was, that was a very good, um, transition. Yeah, I was just you thinking know, that'd be a pretty I, good segue into hauling logs, learning the, the rules. It is a real good, it, it is. It gives you, it gives you a lot of your off-road experience. It's a lot more of a laid back, slower kind of pace. Um, the hours aren't as strenuous in a dump truck. Right. But uh, it's, it's just a really good way to break a new driver in. Um, you get to learn, you get to learn a, a lot of how to take care of the truck how to take care of the road, what goes into building the road. Um, I, I think a lot of good dump truck drivers could make good log truck drivers. And I think a lot of good log truck drivers come from driving dump truck. I'm not saying everybody, right? but I think there's a, I think there's a good percentage, you know, I think that's a really good way to do it. I'm glad I had that experience. That was a very, very valuable experience to uh, have that background. Yeah, it definitely um, seems like it would be a good way to learn, you know, because out in the woods, it's not like driving on the highway. There's a lot of things you no. can do just on the on the main line. You can blow out rear ends if you're not careful and all that stuff. Yeah, um, it's uh, there's a lot more to it than what the average person thinks there is. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've got, you know, me and you have talked about it. I've got a new truck coming. Um to be putting on the road here in a couple months and I've got my truck sold and the guy that's buying my truck, uh, has never hauled logs before, oh, gotcha. but he's holding, he's hauled rock before he's drove some dump truck. And, uh, so he's been spending a little bit of time with me in the truck and that first day, you know, he kind of just sat in the passenger seat and just rode along with me and, the, uh, the second day I kind of let him, you know, dive deeper into it let him start doing some driving and, you know, start him letting him hook up the trailer and load the trailer. And, you know, he was, uh, very much like, there's a lot more to this than what I thought there was going to be. There's yeah. just a lot of, there's a lot of steps that, you know, you don't think about. He's like, it's not, it's not like driving dump truck where you're just you know, driving from the pit to the cat and making a spread and then driving back to the pit. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot more to it. And I guess when a guy does it day in and day out, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you kind of take it for granted. And I've personally have never trained anybody before. Right. So I've never really had that, um, experience of, somebody sitting in the truck that didn't really know what all was fully going on yet. So it just immediately took me back to when Kenny was trying to teach me how to drive. Right. And you know, cause I can just, I mean, as soon as we started, as soon as I started riding in the truck with Donnie, the guy that's going to buy the truck, um, it, it instantly took me back to when I was learning. And I was like, man, I am so thankful that I don't have to learn all this again. And I don't have to go through all this again. Um, 
because you do, you take it for granted. You, there's, there's a lot more to it than what people think there is. There's a lot more steps. It's all about developing a routine. Not everybody has the same routine, but you need to develop your own routine and you need to do the same thing every single time because you don't want to forget stuff. You know, you don't want to forget to flip your compensator. You don't want to forget your bunk pen, you know, and all that daily stuff. You just, after you've done it for so long, you don't even really think about it until you're with somebody and you're trying to get them to think about it. And then you're like, wow, there's a lot to remember. Yeah. Trip after, you know, trip after trip every time, you know. Um, yeah. I, so I used to ride along with my buddy Nemo, and it was, um, I was working night shift at the time. So I'd get off work and barely catch him before he's going out to the landing. And the one thing I found that was the most impressive of how difficult it is, but no one ever talks about, is just getting your trailer back on your truck at the mill sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And every, trailer loader at every mill is different. Right. I mean, Murphy's different than Sandy Am. Sandy Am's different than Roseboro, different than Swan. They're all different. Every, you want to back into each different. Some of them will set the trailer straight down. Some of them will bring it down a little bit more to the driver's side. Some will bring it more to the passenger side. And once you've been to all your mills around locally, you know, it's kind of just one of those things. You get in a routine. You know where you need to be. You know where the truck needs to be. Right. You and know what just, side you need to wrap up on and all that stuff. Right. It just blows my you mind remember, how much goes into it. There, you know, um, one of the things Tony's been like, he's like, can you get me a paper and can you write down all the mills <laughs> and what channel they're on and what side to wrap up on and where to put my wrappers? And I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. Because I've been doing it for so long, it's not a big deal. Right. But when you think of, you know, the... I don't know how many mills we have around here locally that we go to 15, maybe, maybe 20. Um, they're all different. Yeah. Some wrap up different than others. They're all on different channels. It's not. So even just getting to the mill, you know, even just when you get there is a stress in itself and then making sure you go into the right entrance because just take Sandy Am out there on highway 20. You know, I think there's four different gates right there on the highway, you know, just knowing what gate to pull into. Right. And if you go in the wrong one, you're going into shipping and you don't need lumber on your log truck. Oh yeah. And then (laughs) you get in there and it's pain to get turned around and then you look like a total goober. I, that's one of the most things that stresses me out more than anything in the world is when I have to go to a mill that I haven't been to. Even, even after I've been doing this for seven years now, which there's guys who have been doing it for three times that long, four times that long. Right. But, I just get super stressed out when I got to go to a mill that I haven't ever been to before. Now, all I've got to do is go there once and then, you know, it's pretty easy to remember things once you've, you've got your system already down, but you know, as a new guy, you're sitting there and you still don't have all your system down. And then you're trying to compile going to six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different mills. And it, it can be overwhelming really quick. Yeah, it seems like a lot of stuff because all of them have different rules about PPE. And if you're sitting in the truck or at the front corner of the truck when you're unloading, it just seems like it's a lot until you get the hang of all of it. And then, you know, even too, being up on the landing. Right. You know, you get up there, you get up there on the landing at 
2, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, whatever time you're loading. And, you know, you might show up and there, you might only have one truck that day. You might be the only guy. So then it's not so bad. But then you might be on a job where they're running 15 trucks. Right. And so trying to get up there and get, you know, where you need to be and where you need to stage up, where you need to turn around without being in everybody else's way. And then you don't want to be the guy that's going off on the CB at three o'clock in the morning that just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking. <laughs> everybody's tired. Everybody's sleepy. And yeah, I mean, just, just the proper way to conduct yourself in the woods, the right way to conduct yourself in the mills. Um, you know, it, I don't know. I, I try to just get up and do the best job I can every day. You know, I mean, everybody does things different. Everybody's different. Some guys like things done a certain way. Other guys like them things done a different way. I'm not saying, you know, one way is better than the other, but everybody's got their own system to go through. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat, you know, it's just, um, what works for you is probably not going to work for the next guy coming up behind you. Exactly. So you got one of the nicer trucks around right oh, now. I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's orange, which is uh, it's one of my favorite colors, which really caught my eye too. What, uh, how did you end up getting that truck? Because I think when I, I was up taking pictures with you, it was really close to, if not rolling a million miles, and it's still in great shape. So I kind of want to dive into like how you got that truck and, what does it take to keep a truck in good shape, even with high miles and working every day in the woods? Well, um, yeah, it's got, it's a 2006 Peterbilt 379. As it sits in my driveway right now, it's got 1,091,000 on it. So it's just, it's just fixing to roll over 1.1. 1. 1. Um, it's impressive. It's a, it's a great truck. Uh, there's a guy here in Sweet Home. His name's Alan Lowry. He bought that truck brand new. And word kind of started floating around town that Alan was thinking about retiring. And I told the wife, I said, I need to call Alan. I want to buy that truck. <laughs> and, you know, she was a little bit skeptical. She, you know, she wasn't, totally a hundred percent on board with doing the owner operator thing, you know? Um, and I was like, there's going to be a lot to it to get going. But I said, I think once I I think once we get set up and we can get rolling and get everything lined out and just get in a rhythm, I said, I don't think it'd be that bad. Right. And you know, I, I really like things on the truck a certain way. And I try to be really particular on how the truck looks. And when you're driving for somebody, it's hard to get everything exactly the way you want it. Now I've been lucky. The guys that I worked for had great trucks. Um, so I did have, I was very spoiled as a driver aspect about what the truck had on it and how it looked and all that stuff. I was very lucky in that sense. Right. But, um, I just, I wanted my own name on the door. I mean, you know, I, I just wanted, I just wanted my own. I just kind of feel like I've got that, that mentality where I didn't want to do it for somebody else. I wanted to do it for myself. And I felt fairly confident that I had the capabilities 
to succeed at it. So, yeah, word started getting around town that Alan was kicking around the idea of retiring. So one day up and out of the blue, I was just, I was like, I'm going to call Alan. So I don't even think I had Alan's phone number. In fact, I didn't. I had to text one of my buddies to get Alan's number. <laughs> and uh, so I got Alan's number. I called him. Of course, he knew who I was. I said, Alan, this is Leon Vineyard. And he goes, hey, how you doing? I said, are you, are you really thinking about retiring at the end of the year? And he said, oh, you're not really thinking about doing what I think you're doing, are you? <laughs> he already knew. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm interested. And I think that was around the middle of August of 17. And he's like, well, I don't know. I might go one more year. I'm not sure. And he kind of hum hawed around about it, went right. back and forth. And I think finally around Thanksgiving, first part of November, it was before Thanksgiving, I believe. He said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hang it up at the end of the year. I said, okay, I want it. I said, let me start checking into stuff. So I started working on everything on our end. Um, you know, it, it's tough to get going. I didn't realize how tough to get going it was going to be. Um, you know, trying to start a business like that from scratch is tough. Yeah, especially um, in a couple you know, of months. Banks, banks don't want banks don't want to lend to people. It doesn't matter how good your credit is. You know, a guy could go. It's weird. Uh, a guy could go buy a new eighty thousand dollar pickup for personal use. Have no problem getting a loan. You know, go to the dealership, sign your name got good credit, no big deal. Guy's got good credit, tries to go buy a log truck or something like that. Whole different story. Um, and it was, it was tough. Um, we had to get pretty creative, but, uh, I had a pretty good support system around me and we ended up making it work and, um, took over the truck from Allen January 6th, I believe it was of 2018. And, uh, yeah, truck had just over 800,000 miles on it at that point. Um, so I put almost 300,000 miles on it. That's a lot of right? miles. Yeah. Almost 300,000. Um, but, uh, he in frame the motor, uh, right before I bought it, I think the motor had. 13,000 miles on it when I bought it. Oh, wow. So it was really fresh. It was really fresh. Yeah. He had done, I did the second oil change on it. He'd oh, done wow. the first oil. He'd done the first oil change. Um, I think he did the first oil change at like three or five or something like that. And I ended up doing the second one at like 10. But, uh, yeah, I did the, I did the second oil change on it and I didn't, I changed the oil real recently after I got it. I mean, just like a week or two after I got it. But, uh, yeah, it's a great truck. It's been a great truck. I mean, Alan, Alan babied it. He took real good care of it. Uh, like I said, he had bought it brand new. Right. So I knew, you know, I knew how Alan was. I knew how Alan drove. Um, so, I mean, but it, it takes a lot to keep a truck nice. It takes a lot to keep any truck nice. I mean, yeah, it takes a lot to keep a highway truck nice, let alone a long truck. I mean, yeah. these things, you know, you get on a job where you've got to drive, 18 miles of rock each way to the landing. 
and you make that run two to three times a day. Yeah. For a um, month or two, you know, these things, these things get ran through the ringer. I mean, not every job that you, well, very few jobs that you roll up to are only a mile or two off the pavement. I mean, you just, you put a lot of off-road miles on these things and it's hard on them. And especially, especially if guys don't take care of them. Um, I think one of the hardest things is just the maintenance. Right. Just trying, there's always something. I mean, it seems like, and it could just be a five minute deal. It could be a five minute deal or it could be a five hour deal. But it's just, there's always something that needs done on the truck. There's always something broke. There's always something that needs to be fixed. But if a guy is dedicated enough to stay on top of the small things, it's not so bad when the bigger things come up. Right. You know, if well, you I fall think... behind, if you fall behind on it, it's just like anything else. If you fall behind on it, you're never going to get caught up. It's yeah. just impossible. And that's one thing I've always tried to do with the truck is just any little thing that needs fixed, fix it, fix it the right way. You know, if the money's there, if the money's not, the way I've always figured it is the money's got to be there to fix things right. If the money's right. not there to fix things the right way, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, um, there's it's just, you it's know. kind of like how I look at it. Well, from the outside looking in, at least I don't, you know, I don't own a log truck, but um, from what I can see is it just seems like the difference between being a, an, a company driver and an owner operator is that you spend a lot more time doing these little projects on your truck every week than someone who just, you know, clocks out at the end of the day and they're done, you know. And there's a lot of guys and there's quite a few of them here just in town. There's a lot of guys in town that do that even as a company driver. Right. Um, there's definitely guys out there like that. They're very few and they're very far between. And, and it I think, shows though too when you go I think by them on the highway. Yep. I think they're very, very valued by their bosses too because I think their bosses know how much those drivers care about those trucks. Because it's rare. Now, there's a lot of guys that have that mentality of, well, I don't own a bolt on that and I don't pay for those tires and I don't pay for that. I don't pay for the fuel and I'm not going to worry about it. But there's, there's a lot of guys out there that are driving somebody else's truck that do care about that stuff. Yeah. And you know, my hat's off to those guys cause that's awesome. Um, I tried to be one of those guys when I was driving for somebody, I always tried to look after somebody's truck and treat their truck like it was my own. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of those guys, you know, I, I know a few log truck drivers and stuff and it just seems like there's, if you're that guy that actually takes care of your gear, takes a lot of pride in your truck, even if you don't own a bolt on it, like you said, it's really going to set you apart from everyone else. You know, maybe if things get slow or something, that's who that company's going to keep around. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, Hauling logs is a lot of hours. People, people in the general public don't, you know, they just see a log truck going down the highway and pulling into a meal right. or pull, pulling off a logging road and getting on the highway. They don't really think, and I know this because I was that guy, right. you know, before I, before, before I started actually doing it, 
I didn't realize what it was like to get up at 1230, 1.30, 2 o'clock, whatever, you know. I don't care if you're getting up at 2.30 and leaving at 3. That's still early. Yeah. And there's guys that are leaving earlier than that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hours. So when you figure, you know, getting in the truck, driving all day, and then getting home and having to spend, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes greasing it or, you know, a little electrical problem that you think is going to take 10 minutes and it turns into a two hour chasing an electrical short somewhere right. ordeal. Ended up having you know? to rewire the trailer or something. Yeah. yeah. End up having to rewire something from the junction box all the way back. You know, yeah. it, it happens. Um, and you know, if a guy, it's just like, I kind of went over earlier stay on top of that small stuff. You know, you start having some electrical problems, get on it, you know, start tracing stuff down, start trying to figure out what's what, because sooner or later, you're not going to fix that problem. And then you're going to have another problem going on. Right. Then you're going to have another snowball. one. And then the next, yep. And then the next thing, you know, you're spending eight hours on a Saturday just doing electrical wiring. Yeah. I don't know anyone that's so, going to listen to this podcast. That's going to think that would be fun. <laughs> no, I've done it. It's not fun. <laughs> so on your typical day in the summertime, I know you've been hauling a little bit for my buddy, Brandon, and that seems like that was another one of those jobs where you're getting out real early in the morning to make it to the mill. So what does your typical day, we'll say in the summertime, because I know a lot of start times usually earlier. So what's your typical day usually consist of in the middle of August? Oh, you know, it just depends on how far a guy's got to drive to get to the job. Um, you know, right now I'm driving, I think it's about 67, 68 miles from my house to the job. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm leaving oh, about one. Yeah, that's about right. I'm leaving the house about one and driving up there. Cause I got to be there about three to start getting loaded. Right. Quarter till three. And, uh, so we start loading around three and then I boogie on back to sweet home and everything's running right back here to the house. So it's not, it's not terrible. I mean, I'm starting real early, but, uh, I'm finishing, I mean, within five minutes of my house. Oh, that's so nice. I don't have, I don't have that very, I don't have a very long drive in the afternoon to get home. Right. Whereas, you know, sometimes you might go on a job where you're only 20 minutes from the house in the morning, but you're finishing all the way down at Doug County and Roseburg and you've got two hours to drive back home empty. Right. So, you know, <laughs> um, this seems like it comes and goes, you know, the good afternoon or a good morning and you can't usually have both. Yeah, very rarely, very rarely do you get that job where you're a half an hour from the house and you're ending a half an hour from the house. They do happen, but you take advantage of when you get them because they're pretty few and far between. Definitely. So another question that I had for you, since you don't have the typical background of a log truck driver that's, you know, come up through generations of logging and stuff, um, what do you think is it going to take to attract the next generation of truck drivers to the industry? That's a really good question. 
And if I could figure out that question, I'd have, the answer to that question, I'd have about 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> it really seems to be uh, across all the industries that I've seen. It's the million dollar question, I guess you could say, because it's just, you know, we live, we live in a funny day and age. We live in a day and age where you can't get an adult to go work at the grocery store to check people out in line to get groceries for what, six, seven hours a day. I mean, not even full time. Right. You can't even get, you can't even get those positions filled downtown. How in the world are you going to try to get somebody to crawl in a truck at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning and sit in that truck for 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Um, It's tough, man. It's just, you know, and I, I don't think money, I don't think money is the issue. I mean, um, I mean, look at what we got going on in the country. We're, you know, we're paying people. I see signs. I mean, I'm out, I drive, I'm through every town, in the valley here every day. Yeah. I'm always seeing McDonald's signs up hiring immediately starting at $14 an hour. Yep. You know, a year ago, two years ago, that job was only paying $11 an hour. Yep. So you can just throw in three more dollars an hour at that job and you still can't get people to do it. Yeah. Um, why does a guy, why does a guy want to go sit in a log truck for 12, 13 hours when he could go to work for the county or the state and drive dump truck and make the same amount of money or maybe a little bit less money. Right. But only work eight, nine, 10, 11 hours a day. Yeah, 40, 50 hours instead a week. Of 12, yeah. 12, 13, 14. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, on top of driving, you sit in the truck and you drive for 12 hours and then you get a flat tire on your last trip and you got to go to the tire shop or do it at your house. If you do your own tire work right? and work on a flat tire. Yeah. So whereas, you know, those employees for like County, the state, you know, whatever, they just drive it to the shop, let the mechanic deal with it. They get in their personal vehicle and they just go home and yeah. they don't worry about it till tomorrow morning. Right. I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that uh, somebody's got to have a calling to do it. Um, one of the things that attracted me to it was I've always been the guy that's always had really nice, clean pickup. Right. And so when I started riding in the truck with Kenny, I seen guys around town that, I mean, they kept their log trucks just totally just pressed out all the time. Yeah. You know, their trucks were just always clean. Aluminum was always polished. You know, they were just popping going down the road. And I was like, man, I could, I could do that. And then I could do that to a truck. Right. And I think that's why immediately it didn't, it wasn't, I didn't drive for very long before I knew I wanted my own. I mean, I didn't drive for a year and I was like, I've got to have my own truck. It's just, I can't, I can't do this for somebody else. I've got to have my own. Um, for that reason, you know, and being an owner operator, if a guy can be smart and stay within his budget, you know, if you want something to truck, you just go do it. Right. You know, 
Well, um, you're into polishing too. Like, how'd you get into that? Was it just because you wanted your truck to look pressed out all summer? Yeah, just because you know, I always, I always wanted, uh, I always wanted my truck to look good, and I always polished other people's trucks when I was driving for them. Oh, gotcha. And so, I mean, it just kind of as my driving career progressed, I guess the polishing aspect of it just kind of did too. I've done a little bit for some of my buddies and stuff here and there, but it's, it's by no means, that's a lot of work. That's by no means something I would have a desire to do full time or. Right. That was going to be my next question because it seems like that's a whole nother thing that a lot of people don't understand how much work it is, especially a lot of work running off road like you guys do. It's a lot of work and it's hard. I mean, it's difficult It to take, you know, and I'm, I will say this right now. I am not a polisher. I don't claim to be a polisher. Um, these guys that do it for a living professionally or even semi-professionally do hands down a better job than what I do. But to take a piece of aluminum that hasn't been touched in a couple of years and to sand it and, you know, cut it and color it and then hand polish it and buff it out. It, it's a technique. And I found out real quick, it's never perfect. You know, right. I would do a fuel tank. I'd do a fuel tanker. I'd do a fender and I'd still have some sanding marks in it or whatever. And it's like, yeah, when I'm driving downtown, nobody sees that. Even if I'm driving through town at five miles an hour in a parade, nobody sees that. Yeah. But if I'm sitting there, you know, I'm there. sitting there and somebody walks <laughs> up yeah, or every time I run that wash mat across that fuel tank, I see that, and I'm like, man, how do I get that out? How do I get that out? And so I've talked to people that, you know, polish around here and just kind of went on YouTube binges for hours and just watch videos. And, um, you know, I, I'm better at it than I was a couple of years ago, definitely, but I am by no means, I'm by no means a metal polisher. I mean, there's there's people around here in the valley that do it that do a phenomenal job. I mean, they'll take a truck that hasn't been touched in a couple of years and they'll make a show truck out of it just, you know, within a few days. Yeah. It blows my mind too, because I've kind of delved into a little bit of polishing when I was younger and I was just like, I don't have the patience for this. I don't, I don't understand where I went wrong, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that it always is impressive to me when I see a truck that's polished out all the time. Cause I know that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Now, if a guy can get on it and stay on it, it's not as much work. Um, you know, my truck wasn't polished when I got it. And it took me, I'd say two summers before I got to where I was even kind of really remotely happy with it. Um, and it's still not perfect. But, yeah, if a guy can, if a guy can get on top of it. That's one thing I was really disappointed when the new truck showed up. Uh, and I went and looked at it on the lot before it went down to Whitlog to get the trailer and stuff done. I looked at the fuel tanks and I was looking at the air cleaners and I was like, really guys, oh, no. you spend this much money on it. And it's not bad. I right. mean, the average, the average person is going to look at it and be like, man, that's a shiny fuel tank. Great. You know, but when you really start looking into it, it, I was like, wow, I was really, I was really pretty disappointed. I will say. Um, and after talking to some other people, you know, it just kind of sounds like that's how new aluminum is, and, right. you know, nothing actually, nothing actually comes, you know, 
so shine from the factory. Yeah, nothing comes so shine from the factory right. like you think it would. Gotcha. So I, I think this will be my last question, and it's, uh, what do you think is the biggest mis- misconception about the timber industry right now, according to like Joe Public? Hmm. And I don't know. I know I'm hitting um, some tough ones. The I just don't think even if you take a logging community like Sweet Home, right? Um, if you take somebody in town that even was born and raised in this town in a logging community that doesn't know loggers or isn't related to loggers or isn't in the industry, I don't think they really fully understand how much work it is and the amount of hours that guys put in and the amount of hours that guys put in away from their family. Um, you know, your neighbors, you get up, you leave at whatever time in the morning and then you get back home and the neighbor's like, Oh, well, Leon went up and, went to work today and now he's back home, (laughs) but they don't really think, yeah, they don't really think, Oh, wow. Leon worked 12 and a half hours and, you know, drove 400 miles or whatever today. You know, realize your first load was Doug County. Yeah. Leon went, Leon (laughs) drove the Malala three times a day from sweet home or, I mean, just whatever, (laughs) but they don't. And then when you get into the whole, political aspect of it. And I mean, that's just a whole nother can of worms that, you know, people read some post on Facebook or some article in a magazine or see some commercial on TV. And then they just get a, you know, misconception in their head of something that's not even true. And yeah, um, that's kind of why I want to, you know, that's, that's what they seen. That's what they seen on TV, or that's what they seen on the internet. So it must be true. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't know. It, you can't change people's minds. I mean, whatever people have engraved into their mind, it is what it is, and you're not going to change it. But um, I definitely wish people would do some more research and educate themselves before they make an opinion on something or. Um, develop an idea in their head and that can be said for a lot of things other than just the logging industry but oh for sure probably just um, about everything really you know i mean this federal land and the state land i mean we've got to get control over you know we used to log it and i don't know people say climate change this and climate change that and you know i'll say this i'm 30 34 years old i'll be 35 in a couple months and when I was growing up here I don't remember breathing smoke for two months every summer and I yeah. feel like for the last for the last what six seven years that's all we've done is just breathe smoke yeah it's been six seven years I, I mean for months on end too I'm I'm about over it you know um I, I am over it I'm not about over it I am over it uh we've got to get this under control and you know, just, just the way some of the forest is just mismanaged. And I wish we could, you know, find some common ground with some people and figure out how to do things the way we used to do. But I don't know. I mean, 
I definitely think not, that I agree with you. I'm not saying sure. one. I'm not saying one way's right and one way's wrong, but I mean, <sighs> trees are a renewable resource. Yep. There's there's no different. There's no difference in logging than there is Joe Schmo farmer down the road who's harvesting grass seed yep. every summer. It's just a crop. It's the, like same, it's, it's the same thing. It's a renewable resource. It just takes a lot longer for that tree to grow than it does grass seed that comes back year after year after year after year. Yeah, you and know? I think there's a lot of people, too, that don't realize what goes into, like, the people that work in the woods that I know, they go hunting, they go fishing, they spend a lot of time camping. They're always out in the brush working, you know, and it's like the forest practices nowadays – are not at all what they were, you know, in 1910. So it just seems like there's a lot of this where people don't understand what it takes anymore just to go and cut a unit of trees. You know, you've got all these regulations and rules and everything, and and the landowners, they don't want that piece of ground sitting there dormant for any longer than they have to have it. They they want trees in the ground. You know, the general public doesn't understand that when we go in and we cut a unit, and it's got a stream through it. They don't understand the barrier of how far away the cutters have to stay away from that stream. Right. So not to not disturb it. Yep. You know, um, people don't understand how many trees actually get replanted on, you know, they go in and bog a 50 acre unit and take out however many trees. People don't understand how many trees get planted back into that unit. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to look at pictures of a forest that's been managed over 75 years versus something that has just been let go for 75 years. It's pretty easy to look at two images and see which one's healthier. Right. Well, and that's, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, people, you know, environmentalists or, you know, politicians or whatever will be like, Oh, we're just going to, Loggers just want to go out and, you know, take out the forest and kill everything. Well, I mean, come on. This is what we do for our livelihood. Why would we want to not take care of it? I mean, I've got a long time to go in this industry before I retire, if this is what I end up doing for the rest of my life. Why would I want to do anything to put that into jeopardy? I've got two kids. What if one of my kids wants to haul logs or even if they don't want to haul logs, maybe they want to go get in a piece of equipment or something that revolves around the logging industry. Yep. Why would I want to do something harmful to that industry and put my future or my kid's future or even my grandkids future in jeopardy? Yep. I mean, we've been logging for as long as we've lived here. I mean, as, long as people have lived in the Northwest, they've logged timber. Right. Just, you got to have it. You got to have wood. You got to have wood to build houses. You know, I don't see a whole bunch of brick homes going up anywhere around here. You know, <laughs> no. you can't, you can't afford them. No. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around what some people think in their minds or, I don't know. It's beyond me. Um, yeah, me too, I think. But I think uh, I think that this podcast is going to be a good platform to at least kind of start these conversations. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it, I think it's great, you know. Um, to get the word out, try to educate people. Um, 
you know, I know we've got a guy here uh, at the school district and Sweet Home is a teacher that has got some YouTube videos out. Oh, yeah, um, I think his name is Blake Manley, right? Blake Blake Manley. Yep. Um, I just seen an article that he was actually going to be on Fox News uh, like this last week or something. But uh, I know he's got several YouTube videos out there of guys running equipment and truck drivers and, you know, he understands that he gets it. He's like, not everybody is cut out to be a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, you know, an electrician, a plumber. Not everybody's got their own little niche in life. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a good industry to get into and you know, it's honest it, it work and be it's something, honest living, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I'm able to, my wife's able to stay home with the kids and, um, I work and, you know, we pay the bills and we get by and, you know, it, it's provided a good life for us. I can't complain. Um, you know, it, it's a great thing for somebody to get into, but somebody's got to have the want and the desire, you know, they've got to kind of want to have that calling or whatever to get into it. You know, yeah, I, I know a lot of guys, I know a lot of, I know a lot of guys, the whole logs just absolutely hate it. Just absolutely hate it with a passion. Yeah, and I'm like, what? You know, how miserable? Oh, it's gotta I'm, be miserable. I can't imagine waking up at one o'clock in the morning to go get in a truck that you absolutely hate driving. You know, like there's yeah, gotta be some I, kind of drive I, there to keep you going. That, yeah, you would. You would have to be. Um, you know, too many people. Too many people fall into that trap of, you know, they get sucked into it and it just becomes normal to them, and then they're, you know, that's just what they do. But uh, I don't. Know. Yeah, it's a tough There's got to be, I don't know what the solution is to get young people in. You know, I think a lot of it's just the generational thing. You know, I think a lot of guys do it because their kid, their grandparents did it and their dads or whatever. And, you know, I think that's great. But we've got to be able to get outside people into it too that haven't grown up in it. That, yeah. you know, we've got to get them interested in it too. Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think it's, a really cool industry like all the equipment the trucks i mean guys like you that are running around pressed out all year and your lot nice log trucks i mean i love being out in the woods and i don't know if that's because i kind of grew up doing the reforestation side of stuff with my dad's company or whatever but there's just something inside of me says hey man you need to be out in the woods because this is badass well you know you know the truck aspect what makes it cool for me Right. Um, I like it when my truck's clean, you know, I like getting up in the morning when the weather's going to be nice and it's not going to be real hot. It's not gonna be real dusty. And you know, your truck's going to stay clean all day. And you know, I would have, I have zero desire to go drive for Pepsi or Coca-Cola or something like that. Doing a delivery route like that. Right. Something like that. Now it's the same thing. I mean, you're sitting yeah, in truck, you're driving, driving a truck, right? You're still just driving a truck, yep. but to sit there and drive one of those trucks all day long. No, I have <laughs> zero desire to do that. And Hey, the guys that want to do it more power to them. Yeah. But everybody's got to find that little niche that makes them want to do what they want to do to take pride in what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one thing. That's one thing I got from my dad was, you know, take pride in what you're going to do. If you're going to do, do a good job. Right. And don't, don't do anything half-ass too many people 
you know, and that's something I want to instill in my kids. Too many, too many people do things half-assed anymore. And, you know, it's just an embarrassment. It really is. And it seems like with each generation, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, people don't have any to drive anymore. People don't have any desire. It, it's really pretty sad. Yeah. It seems like some of the pride gets lost as you know, generations go on, but who knows, you know, maybe things will change soon, you know? I, I mean, I'd like to think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think something's going to give, you know, once more people realize that, you know, you don't have to go to college and, and you can go work with your hands and be it in the timber industry or dirt or whatever, you know, there's a lot more options out there to make an honest living than just going to college and then wondering why you got all this debt with no job, you know? Oh, exactly. I mean, you know, um, it's, I don't know. We'll figure it out one way or two. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's just like anything else. I mean, it's just hard to, it's hard to find people with any kind of motivation anymore or any kind of drive. Um, I don't know. We've lost it somehow and I don't know. We'll get it back. I mean, it'll happen. I got faith in us. Yeah, I think so. You know, I got little kids coming up. I know you got little kids, you know, people like us that can, you know, try to inspire that in their kids. You know, there's, I know a lot of, I know a lot of younger guys that are working here in town that are in their early twenties that are hauling logs that do a real good job at it. I mean, a real good job. They get up, they show up every day. They're on time, you know, they get up, they work. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's out there. Just got to find them. Oh yeah. Just got to find a way to get, just got to find a way to get more of those people in the industry and, um, keep it going. But it's a great industry. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do. I like seeing animals. I like seeing the sunrise. Um, you know, it's just, it's definitely something, anything in the industry, you know, same thing with even guys running a shovel, uh, you know, or dangle head or whatever. I mean, even guys setting chokers in the brush, there's, there's guys out there that can, you know, show up and take pride in what they do and be very productive. And, you know, at the end of the day, go home and give your family a hug and say, you know, I, I was productive today. Right. And we just got to get more of those people in the industry. So I think stuff like this podcast and just trying to get some information out there that's real world information from people that are in the industry that see it and experience it and live through it day after day, you know, get the information out there to the general public and to the younger kids and stuff and say, Hey, this is an option that you can do that, you know, Hey, this is something you could do. So that's definitely I think, it's great. I think we just got to, I think we just got to get the information out there and I think stuff like this is a great way to do it. Well, I appreciate you being on, Leon. I'll probably let you get back to your family on this Monday afternoon. Okay, man. Is well, there anything yeah, else that you want to say or anywhere that people can find you if they have questions about log trucking? Not, not really. Can't I mean, be. I guess if a guy wants to look me up on Facebook or something, you can look me up on Facebook and shoot me a message through Messenger or something. But, cool. um, yeah, uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. 
Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you being on and I uh, can't wait to see your new truck. Awesome. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Leon. Okay. Bye.